Uh, yes. So yeah, we'll start in Daniel chapter three, probably at the beginning of the chapter. Okay. Um, we've been we've been looking at the different characters in the Bible, different individuals. A lot of time with Abraham, just because a lot of stuff happened in Abraham's life. Lot, um, Hagar, Ishmael, different ones. We got up to Isaac and the um, uh, Abraham making that sacrifice of of Isaac, um, knowing that God would raise him from the dead, and we spent a couple of weeks on that and. I want to keep looking at different characters of the Bible and how their interactions with God affect us, but um, I've kind of been going in order in Genesis, but now I'm going to jump around a little bit just because there's different ones that are speaking to me. And um, Before I get to this section in Daniel, I was going to read a quote and see, think about, um, as I read this to you, um, it's from the Bible, see if you can think of who it would be, um, give you some options. How about, could be David? Like with the Psalms, could be Moses, um, could be a pagan king, uh, could be John the Baptist. So think of those. But so here's the quote: "It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me." How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Does that sound like anybody you can think of from the Bible? Any guesses? So, David, like with the Psalms, Moses, pagan king, or John the Baptist? Pagan king. Pagan king, because we're in Daniel? It wouldn't be John the Baptist. No, it wouldn't be John the Baptist, would it? His was repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Yeah. Or the first two again. David, like from the Psalms, uh -huh. or Moses. No. No. I think it was David. Because yeah. everybody else said something else. David yeah. was a very godly man. Sounds like David. Yeah, it was Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Yeah, he's in pagan king. Yeah. If I said Nebuchadnezzar, it would have been way too obvious because I was already got you in Daniel. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's actually in chapter four where he says it, but he talks about, he says, I want to tell you about the miraculous signs, wonders, the most high God, um, how he performed them for me, you know, how great his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom and his eternal kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. And you hear something like that at first and you wouldn't think. A pagan king. You know, okay, this is the guy that builds a statue, big gold statue, says everybody bow down. This is the guy that when uh, his leaders are, are wanting to get rid of Daniel, they pass a law saying you can only pray to the king and nobody else. You know, I mean, this, this is a guy that oh, thought pretty highly of himself. <laughs> I've got a, I've, it's pretty long though, but I've got a yeah. in here. Um, it's under Daniel 3 1, but it's, it's a. You know, my, I always got these little notes. Mm -hmm. It says, under the pretense of religion and holiness, in making an idol, an image to his idol, Bell, he sought his own ambition and vain glory. And, his, and this declares that he was not touched with the true fear of God before, but that he confessed him on a sudden motion as the wicked when they are overcome with the greatness of his works. The Greek interpreters write that this was done 18 years after the dream, and as many as 
And as may appear, the king feared lest the Jews by their religion should have altered the state of his commonwealth. Therefore, he meant to bring all to one type of religion, and so rather sought his own peace than God's glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and there was a time period, you know, and there was there's transformations in, in Nebuchadnezzar's life, you know. You know, he begins, he's capturing Israel, and he, and he brings captivities in. And, of course, this is where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say they're not going to eat food that's going to defile them. And, you know, he has to make a deal and that whole process. You know, they get the Daniel diet now today, if you do a Daniel fast. There you go. It came from that. Um, and, uh, and then he's trained. You know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are trained for, like, I think it was over a year. Uh, all the different ways of the uh, magicians, the magi, the 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 dream interpreters, you know. The, and there was, you know, sometimes we read about people like that, and we have this fanciful view about it. But they actually knew a lot of stuff. They knew like astronomy and different things like that. You look at even some of the construction they did years and years and years and years and years ago, and you go, wow, how did they figure this stuff out? They'll have, you know, things that align perfectly with the stars and things like that. They they were not ignorant people. Um, they didn't have the technology we have today, as far as we know. Uh, but they, but they had a lot of knowledge. They had a lot of understanding. They had a lot of ability. Think of Moses when he confronts Pharaoh, and you know the magicians are actually able to throw down staffs and have them turn into serpents. That's some pretty powerful stuff there, you know. And they were able to do some of the other things that Moses did too. I mean, they, they, they had power and understanding you know you read about things like the book of the dead or different things they, they, they had a lot of knowledge and so daniel shadrach meshach and abednego are all trained in these things and they go to the king and the king sees how wise they are and he kind of puts them in a in a position in a high position as uh, daniel as the main uh, magi the main teacher the main the main counselor type guy that that's able to do those things and shadrach meshach and abednego are right there um, and so he, he sees their ability, their talent, there's something special about them. And you have to remember that um, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, this pagan society that they're in, they believed in gods, plural. You know, they believed in a lot of different gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar had an understanding, and you see this kind of develop in, in Daniel's life where he knows that gods are real, or he believes gods are real. He believes he has a god that he worships. Now, he's so powerful, and that's the danger, isn't it, for the kings and stuff. They get so powerful, they either start to see themselves as a god, right? Um, they start to see themselves as someone that can be worshipped. And, and he has some issues in that area, but he really doesn't get to that point of exalting himself above God. And that's something I want us to see in his life. Um, or, or to a point where he rejects who he ends up understanding as the holy God, as, as this God that's different than the other gods that Daniel worships. And he comes to respect Daniel's God. So in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar makes this, you know, uh, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide gold uh, statue. And how they made it and what exactly it was done with it, it's hard to know. They look at they think... You know, if it was solid gold, it, it would be too heavy, too big to make, that it was probably something that was overladen with gold or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It was made. <laughs> it was there. It was huge. It was amazing. It was spectacular. You look at some of the 
artwork and things today you go to these uh, countries that have stuff that's thousands of years old and stuff and it's like the construction's just amazing and just you're like wow this is incredible it was pretty incredible it was pretty amazing and he uh uh, tells the people, you know, that they they have to uh, when it's dedicated, um, that they're going to have to uh, come and uh, worship him, uh, worship that that statue. Um, so in verse four of chapter three, then the herald loudly proclaimed, "This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither." Lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. They had a good band going. This is when the rock starts. Yeah, when, it, when they when they start cutting a groove. I don't know what it's called. Uh, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And as we go along, we see that they actually had the furnace there ready to go. <laughs> I guess that means he thought there may be some people that wouldn't, or maybe just the threat of it would be enough to let them know this is not an empty threat. Actually, how many, how many of you know that in this time period and, and this kind of setting that they really didn't bluff on stuff like that? You know, if they said they're going to kill you, they, kill. they'd kill you. Yeah, I mean they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really play games. They didn't. They didn't wait. They didn't deliberate <laughs> for hours. Oh, we got to get rid of them. Oh, let's have a trial. Let's have another trial. Let's get the lawyers. Let's get. You know, this is pretty much okay. You're guilty. Dead. You know. It's just. Um, and so he's like, you, you're going to have to fall down and and worship, um, worship the image. So it, it's even. He's not quite to that point where he's saying, worship me, but he's saying, worship the image. So, so he's showing his great works, and this is kind of where he's at. He's showing how great his works are. Worship them. Worship what I've done. And, and that's kind of how that, that progression works. It goes by steps, you know. You know, look at who I am. Look at what I did. Look at, and eventually it's like, okay, worship me because I'm the one that did it all. You know, but right then it's just, it's work. Look at the works. Worship the work. Look at how great this is. Worship that image. Uh, fall down. Look at that. And and if you keep down that path, eventually it would be where he'd make himself to be a king or a god, you know, and you worship him. You know, we see that in Egypt, right? Uh, it gets to the point where the pharaohs are considered gods, and uh, and it happens in a lot of the, the pagan societies. Um, we, we should never consider ourselves more highly than we ought. You know, if, if he's still in the mirror shaving and he cuts himself and bleeds like everybody else, maybe he should not think he's a god. Kim Jong-un in North Korea may want to reconsider his position on how, how great he is. Yeah, may not be as great as you think, buddy. Um, so they, um, they, they get everything going. Verse 7, therefore, as soon as the, they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the do-do-do-do-do, uh, everyone fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But at this time, some of the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone, it's got, you know, they got to bow down at the golden image, but 
verse 12, but there are some Jews who you set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So, were these people lying about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? No. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't worship his gods, and they didn't bow down to the image. Why are they mentioning it? Are they worried about the king? They, they don't want the king to be disrespected. You know, they never talked about the king behind his back, right? Mm -hmm. They, they never said how much smarter they were than the king. And, oh, he wouldn't have accomplished this if it wasn't for us. And, oh, I was the one that, yeah, they'd never do anything like that. Never just, no. They're only out for the king. They're all for themselves. And, and notice how they point out, you know, hey, these are the guys that you appointed to be these leaders here. And they're, they're above us. And, you know, they're all hung up on this God of theirs. And so, hey, we found a way to get them in trouble. King, live forever. We honor you, King. That's the only reason we're here. No, they're only there to get somebody else in trouble. Isn't it amazing how there are individuals in uh, political circles and things like that that will say they're wanting to respect the law or constitutions or what's right and things like that, and yet serving themselves and doing their own thing. Goes all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. Same thing. They didn't care about the king. They didn't care about the, the worshiping of the image. They didn't care about any of that stuff. All they cared about is these guys are being more respected than we are. And why were they being more respected? Why were they having this position uh, of authority and advancement? Because they were better at it. They're better than me, so instead of me getting better so I can keep up with them or pass them by getting better than them, I'll just tear them down. I'll just destroy them. Someone's doing a better job than you. Maybe your answer shouldn't be destroying them. Maybe you should figure out how to work with them and do a better job. Yeah, I wonder if that applies to any political things. I don't know. So there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are going to go get them in trouble. So they weren't, you know, in this big crowd or someplace where the king could see. You know, they weren't, they weren't pulling a Colin Kaepernick, right? Everybody's... Uh, you know, got their hand and they're going to take a knee or whatever and stand out in the crowd. They weren't doing something to stand out in the crowd or make a statement or anything like that. They were somewhere else where these guys are like, ha ha, now we got a way to get even with them. And so they report it uh, to the king. And in verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so wherever they are now, he's like, okay, bring them over here. And he goes, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? And what's interesting here is he actually asked them about their worship of the gods because when he questioned them, when he interviewed them, and he found out how wise they were, when he found out how discerning they were, when he put them in these positions of leadership, he never really questioned whether they worshiped his gods or not. And it really wasn't an issue. Right? Because he believed in a lot of gods. Now, of course, he's going to say his gods are the best. My gods are bigger than your gods. 
my God can beat up your gods. You should, you know, he's going to say his are the best. You should, be. but it never really was an issue. He was like, hey, these guys are wise. They know what they're talking about. They can discern things. I can trust them. They're making good decisions. You know, you know, put them in leadership. Now, because these people brought this up, he's like, well, wait, now you're not worshiping my gods? If it didn't affect their ability to do what they were doing, what difference did it make? I don't understand why. I mean, you know, there's there's people that care more about what denomination you are or what group you're with or, you know, what, what your belief system is than whether you're functioning in your... There's people that can lose jobs because they don't have that politically correct idea. They're not part of the right group or they're, they're this or they have some certain beliefs and they can get kicked out, punished. What difference does it make? If they're doing what they're supposed to do, what difference does it make? It's amazing how much discrimination there can be in our country for individuals just because of belief systems or things like that and not looking at talent, ability, um, functioning in the, in the place they're supposed to be able to function. Um, and, the, and, the, and the opposite's true, too. There'll be individuals that get exalted because they have the right belief system, even though they're not better at the job. Sad, sad, sad state of affairs. So, so he's asking him, you know, is it true you're not worshiping uh, my gods um, and you're not bowing down to the image I set up? Verse 15. Now, when you hear the sound of all these wonderful musical instruments, when the band starts to play, but you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And, and this is where Nebuchadnezzar gets a wake-up call. He believes in gods, and he's okay with the fact that they have gods or a god that they worship, whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. That's where I don't understand, like, atheists and individuals like that that don't take that kind of position. It's like they don't believe God. What difference does it make if somebody else does? You know? Why, why they got to be anti-God? And I've, I've met uh, atheists before that was just like, well, I'm, I don't believe in God, but am I, like, anti-God? I mean, if that's what you believe, that's what you believe. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's just like, why, why would you be against something that you don't believe in? Um, and that's kind of his position. He's like, you know, whatever, you got a God, but, you know, you worship mine too. <laughs> I got a good God. What's wrong with my God? <laughs> why don't you like him? Uh, and he's like, so what, what God's going to save you? And, and again, his works, his power, his ability to command them to be thrown into the furnace is more powerful than their God. That's what he's saying. I'm going to throw you into a furnace. If you don't do this, you don't have a God powerful enough to stop that. I'm the king. I got the furnace. Well, we'll see. I know we all know the story. So. Um, and so, um, uh, verse 19, or well, I'm sorry, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are throwing into the blaming furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I love this answer because, first of all, they say, we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to tell you why. We don't worship your God. We don't have to tell you why we're not bowing down. We have a God we serve. We're going to keep serving him. 
not going to serve yours. And service to him, we're not going to bow down to some golden image. Throw us into the furnace. He'll either save us or he won't. He can. But it's not up to you whether we die in a furnace or not. It's up to our God because we're serving him. Now, if we stopped serving him, bowed down to your image, then we would be at your mercy. But we're not. We're serving a God that's above your gods, a God that's above you, a God that has an ability to rescue us. And even if he doesn't, oh, doesn't make a difference to us. We're going to serve him. Be with him for eternity. Praise God. He'll rescue us or he won't. Whatever. Um, I just love that. Um, that that they, they just know. And of course, they, they end with the idea that we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship your image. Threaten all you want. Do whatever you have to do. Ain't going to happen. And it's like, really not much more to be said. <laughs> it's all been said. So then verse 19, the Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Um... Uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, remember back in verse 13, he said he was furious and he had rage when he summoned them. So with rage and ferocity, he's confronting them. Now they give him this answer. And it says that his attitude was changed toward them, and he's basically even angrier than he was before. Where do you go from rage, for furious rage, to what? I mean, it's like, I mean, the dude lost it, right? I mean, he just blew his top, right? Steam's coming out. No wonder they got a fiery furnace. He's like, heat this thing up seven times hotter than it normally gets. Any of you have the old pot belly stoves and stuff? You ever heat it up a little hotter than it should have got? I used to love doing that. Go down in the basement and just keep feeding some food in there and get a little air in there. And the back of it would get all red hot, almost white hot, which would weaken the metal. wasn't a good idea. <laughs> hotter than it should get. <laughs> Come on, John. You ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> some of these young folk don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we laid down beside them and did our... Schoolwork was a lamp. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. So he's like, okay, get it. So, so they're heating up hotter, got the blowers, well, however they're doing it. And they get it so hot, seven times hotter. And this is a big furnace that'll fit people. I mean, you know, that's, you know, ever see the furnaces that are really big and they can like melt metal and stuff in them and things like that? I mean, that's it, that kind of that picture. Um, and so he, uh, verse 20, he commands some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie him up and to throw him into the blazing furnace. And so here Nebuchadnezzar is going to show his power, show his ability, let people know why his gods are better than your gods. And he ties them up, gets his strongest men to throw him in there. And we know some of those guys die doing that. I don't want to sign up for that one. <laughs> if... if if, if there's some people that are serving God and someone not serving God and they're telling you, go against those people of God and help me along with this, don't do it. You may get burned up. <laughs> time, to, time to say, no, I'm with them. Jump in head first. You might as well. You're going to die anyway. <laughs> so anyway, he throws them in there. And we know the story, right? He, he looks and there's four people walking in there. They're like, wait, I thought I only put three in there. 
and they're walking around free. Their bonds are gone. Um, they're walking with Jesus in the fire, and he calls them out, and they come out, and they don't even smell a smoke or anything. And it's like, from, from a king thinking he has all this authority and power, telling people to worship his works, now all of a sudden someone's going to do a work in front of him and get his attention. Um, so uh, in verse 24, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet, in amazement and asked his advisors weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire and he i mean he's looking at him walking around and he's like whoa jumps up in amazement not furiously angry anymore but what the world is going on here what in all my god's names is happening and he asks his advisors uh <clears throat> hey guys didn't we uh Throw three. Yeah, but some other guys got burned up on the way. Maybe one of them fell in with them or something. I don't know. They're like, no, yep, certainly king. Um, and then he says in verse 25, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of gods. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar believes in gods. His gods are better than other gods. These guys won't worship his god. They won't bow down to his image, his works. Now he binds them, throws them up into the fire. He has the ability to bind them. He has the ability to put them to death in the fire. They're walking free in the fire. They're not bound anymore. And the fourth person that's with them looks like a son of God. Son of gods. Someone that was from the gods. A, a, a direct connection to the gods. You know, not God himself, because they don't come down and interact with us and that, but, but really close. An angel of God, a, a, a child of God, a, you know, really almost God, something. Anyway, he's there. And so Nebuchadnezzar is just, I mean, he's shocked. He's amazed. He's standing. He's, whoa. Um, and so he, he goes, uh, he approaches the opening. Not too close, right? He doesn't want to die. And he says, uh, and this is verse 26, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out and come here. You notice a change in his attitude there on how he addresses them? Servants of the Most High God. Where did he get that from? Remember, before it was like he didn't seem to know or care that they had other gods they were worshiping. He just was worried about why aren't they worshiping my God now that it was brought to his attention. And they didn't worship his image. But he didn't talk anything about their God. But he knew about them. They must have had some conversations, right? Because when he acknowledges him for the first time in Scripture that we know of, that he acknowledges him, he says, you guys are servant of the Most High God. Why is he most high? Because your God's bigger than my God. <laughs> my God let me do all these works. My God let me capture all these groups and all these countries and all these people. My God let me build this huge image. My God let me have everybody fall down and worship the image. My God allowed me to tie you up. My God allowed me to throw you into a fire. But your God saved you and set you free, protected you from the fire. You don't even smell a smoke. Your God's bigger than my God. He's the most high God. I've never met a God bigger than yours, or I would have been serving him. I mean, that should be the response, right? Of course, people are loyal. <laughs> Got your favorite gods. 
don't let them go, you know. Been with me since I was little. Um, so so he calls them out, and he, you know, he tells them to come out, and they come out. Um, uh, verse 27, uh, and the straps, uh, or, yeah, the separates, perfects, prefects, governors, royal advisors, crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I mean, it's, it's amazing enough they didn't get burned. There's no hairs burned. Nothing. They don't even smell a smoke. You know the protection that God has on you that you don't even smell a smoke? Uh, now, I know, I know of one individual that was in a burning building and didn't get burned. Um, that God protected him, and he didn't even know the Lord at the time. A bunch of you guys know him, too. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, he was running from some people that wanted to kill him, and he went in a building, and then they didn't follow him, and then he realized, that, oh, the building's on fire. <laughs> he thought, that's strange. And then later, when he got saved and was reading the Bible, he's like, oh, that's what happened to me! <laughs> yeah, it didn't even smell, nothing. Uh, no smoke, nothing. There's, 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 I mean, that's protection. That's that's the very atmosphere protecting you. Even the molecules of smoke didn't. How many of you know when even a little bit of smoke gets in you, it can <laughs> last, right? Amen. Um, so, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent, who has sent his angel. Again, you know, it's like, the picture of God coming into the furnace was a bit much for him. So it's like it's an angel. It's, you know, it's a messenger. It's a son of God. It's a, you know, something, uh, some kind of being that's sort of God um, who sent his angel to rescue his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, their horses be turned into piles of rubble, and no or for no other God can save in this way. How's Nebuchadnezzar doing with his relationship with God here? <laughs> He's kind of kind of little respect no <laughs> he's like you guys talk about the god of shadrach meshach and abednego you're gonna be cut to pieces your horse is gonna be cut to pieces <laughs> too bad your god's not gonna save you because your dog god's not bigger than my god and my god's not bigger than their god and their god's bigger than my god so you might as well not talk against that god i'm not gonna <laughs> And what's interesting is how God blesses Nebuchadnezzar in his life and, and uses him, even though he's a pagan king, but he has some respect for God. And I'm going to look at his son in a minute and see, see a little different attitude. But um, the, the, the position, and remember too, when the leaders want to come against uh, Daniel later and they, they, they try to figure out some way to get, even with, get him out of power because they don't like him again because he's doing such a good job makes no sense to me at all someone's doing a great job leading so you don't want him to lead you want to take his place because you think you can do a better job no because he's making me look bad uh, so you're not really worried about the country you're not really worried about how things are going you just think you should be in power yeah that's evil that's demonic 
that's of the devil to to try to remove somebody in a position that's above you that's doing a good job and doing what should be done just because you want that position that's just wrong now if they're doing a horrible job and you can do better then yeah good do it <laughs> go run for uh, student body president can't remember the name uh, <laughs> But uh, but these people when they when they go against uh, Daniel later, then remember they don't go against his God, but they go against his relationship with God. They they're not they're not going to cross Nebuchadnezzar on this one. They don't talk about his God, but they'll talk about how they function in their relationship. So it's like okay, we'll make this decree. They pray to you, and then Daniel won't pray. He prays to his God, and and so they're not going against his God. They're going against. Their practice with God, what they're doing in their relationship with God. Um, so, so zipping along here because there's so much here. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and um, it's a dream about a tree, and he finally has uh, Daniel come in and and share the vision and uh, what the dream means. And it and it's a tough dream because it's um, Nebuchadnezzar having to learn humility um the interpretation is given in uh chapter 4 verse 19 kind of toward the middle of verse 19 i guess it says my lord if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your advisors the tree you saw which grew large and strong and which top brand touched the sky visibly to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit providing food for all giving shelter to the beasts of the field and having nest placed in the branches for the birds of the air you O king are that tree you have become great and strong your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion exceeds the distant parts of the earth you O king saw the messenger of the holy one coming down from heaven saying cut down the tree and destroy it but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while the roots remain in the ground let him be drenched with the dew of heaven let him live like wild animals until seven times pass him and so he's like he had this dream of the tree and it being cut down and he says you're this great tree you're you're this great king this this great ruler this great individual and god's saying i can cut you down i'll leave a stump but he's telling him you're going to live like a wild animal you're going to be and, and it happens to nebuchadnezzar we'll kind of jump ahead a little bit look um, um as he as he gives them this this interpretation and he, he tells them what is happening um uh, the verse 27 of chapter 4 he says therefore O king be pleased to accept my advice he gives him some advice so he tells him you're this great kingdom you're this great tree that's going to be cut down you're going to have to live like a, a, a wild animal kind of thing you're going to be eating grass your hair is going to get just covered with dew and you're going to be you're just going to look like a wild man anybody ever see the uh old hermit wild man kind of thing in an old show or something where they got all this long hair and everything and they're you know, long. yeah like that eating eating grass having no mind anymore can you imagine being this great king with these wise advisors and all this power and all this and being made like that but he says let me give you some advice okay how many know if someone just interpreted a dream for you like that and they say i got some advice maybe you should 
take it. <laughs> Nobody else could interpret the dream for him. He could. He's done this before. That's right. He serves that God that can save people out of fiery furnaces, save them out of lions. Got some advice. You know, I'm thinking... I got advisors for a reason. Maybe I should listen. So here's the advice. He says, um, Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. And and this goes back to, you know, I've shared before, um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. This is what he's saying. You know, he's saying, be righteous, be just. Uh, righteousness is living a right life, doing the right thing, serving where needed, those types of things, helping others. Um, the um, justice is taking care of the oppressed, the widows, the orphans, uh, the individuals with true needs doing that. And he's just like, do that, be righteous, be just, and maybe your prosperity will continue. How many of you know people a lot of times don't follow advice? That Dr. Collins has shared, you know, because he, you know, he's on faculty and stuff, and he'd have individuals come for advice, and he'd be like, and every time they'd be like, yeah, uh, but I see what you're saying, but, and it's like, it's just amazing how often our butts can get in our way when, you know, getting advice. It's like, if you're getting advice, don't let your big butt get in the way. Just, Listen to the advice. If it's good advice, follow it. Um, but anyway, he doesn't. Um, and so 12 months later, um, this is in verse 30. He's, he's walking in the palace of Babylon. He's looking out and he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Anybody want to say, oops? <laughs> Look what I did. Look here what I, looky here what I've done. Yeah. Verse 31, the words were still on his lips when the voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by uh, for you until you acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. Boy, there's times it'd be nice to take back some words. But the time to have taken it back was to never get to the point where he'd say it, where he would have acknowledged in the first place, 12 months before when he was warned, it's not about you. It's not you. And, and notice what God's saying that he's going to recognize. He's going to recognize God's sovereignty. God can give it to who he wishes. He, he recognized God as a powerful God, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But he's not recognizing him as being sovereign, as the one that's doing it. He's saying, I'm doing this. I conquered these kingdoms. I built this palace. I built this stuff. And God's like, no. Uh -uh. Better be looking at me. I'm letting you. I'm giving. As a matter of fact, do you want to see what I can do with somebody? Yeah, go eat some grass for a while. Go live with me. Ooh. I don't want to do that. 
Anybody <laughs> else want to avoid that? Um, and so then he and he finally comes to that that place of repentance, and he humbles himself, um, and God restores him, uh, re- restores his splendor. Um, verse thirty six. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything He does is right, and all His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble." And so, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar gets to this point where he's just like, nope, I'm going to glorify God. He's right, again, righteousness. Um, he's uh, just, justice, righteousness and justice are the, the very foundation of God's throne. And if you walk in pride, he's going to humble you. It's amazing that he was restored. You know, in those days, if a king lost his power, normally there was someone else going to take his place and make sure his family was all killed and everything was taken care of so that he was never coming back. And it, and he was gone for quite a while. But I think part of the reason that he was restored is because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were still there in, in, in high leadership knowing God was going to restore him and saving that position for him. But then King Belteshazzar comes. Um, Belteshazzar. Chapter 5. Uh, great, and he has a great banquet. He has thousands of his nobles, and he drinks wine with them. And while he's drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. The king and the nobles, wives, concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron, wood and stone. Suddenly a finger of a human hand appeared and wrote in a plaster on the wall near the lampstand in the royal place. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. How's that for a visual? He's <laughs> like, we had that commercial at the Super Bowl where everybody's knees were knocking. I don't know, that was a tax one. Weird. <laughs> he's like, he's like so scared. He's like so afraid. His, his face is white and he sees this handwriting on the wall. Right? That's where we get that saying, handwriting on the wall. And, and, he, and he calls in and, and Daniel finally comes and interprets it and tells him that, that he's found wanting. Uh, but this is... Um, Nebuchadnezzar's son, this is the next one that takes over. This is one that was around when Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass. This is one that was around, uh, heard Nebuchadnezzar talking about this God. And here he's having a party, and what's the first thing he do? He takes the holy things, the things that were for the temple, that were for worshiping God, and he says, hey, let's just drink out of them. We'll make them common, and we'll praise the gods of gold and silver. Do you notice... He took a step that Nebuchadnezzar didn't. Nebuchadnezzar did some really goofy, bad stuff. You know, worship this image, throw him in the thigh, didn't listen to advice, all these things. But he didn't disrespect God that way. He didn't make himself above God. You notice that he didn't do that? I mean, he exalted himself above everybody else. 
may have even gotten himself up into the God structure at some point, but he never exalted himself above the most holy God. First thing this guy does, bring out the stuff that's set aside for God. We'll drink out of it like it's common, and we'll praise the gods of gold and silver. And he's exalting himself and his gods above God. Something Nebuchadnezzar never did. And again, Nebuchadnezzar did some stuff you'd think, oh, God could have got him for all that stuff. Well, God's gracious and merciful. So what happens to, to this guy? <laughs> Uh, verse 17, then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself. The king's like trying to give him rewards. Keep the gifts, give your reward to someone else. Nevertheless, I'll read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. So, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you this robe and this gold and I'm going to make you a ruler. All you have to do is tell me what's written. And the dude's like, I don't want that. You know, when you're serving God and you're doing God's work, you're really not worried about getting a bunch of rewards in this life. Um, taking advantage of those things um, and so so he tells them um, what it says and he, and he goes over again let's see I, yeah let's do it this way verse 18 O king most high god gave your father nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him all the peoples and nations and men in every language dreaded and feared him those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed of from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people, given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high god is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes and so he goes over this stuff that that just happened that we looked at and he's like you know your dad you know he could put to death who he wanted to he could save who he wanted to uh, you know unless they were servants of the most high god he didn't have authority over them he had all this power, all this authority, until God said, hey, I'm going to take it away from you. And then he started to realize, oh, yeah, okay, it all comes from God. It's from the Most High God. He's the one. He's sovereign. He's above all. He acknowledged that. Um, you know, he, he, he realized that. He was restored, verse 22. But you, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets of the temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the God of silver and gold and bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand with the inscription. And the inscription is, you know, you've been found wanting, you're going to die. <laughs> you're done. It's over. Um, and so here he goes over the whole thing. He Listen, Nebuchadnezzar at least got this. He figured it out. And you had an opportunity to humble yourself, but what did you do? Something Nebuchadnezzar never actually did. You have exalted yourself against God. You've put yourself in a position where you're greater than God or you want to compare yourself to God. You've downplayed God's holiness and the items that were in the temple that were set apart for him and not for you. You've taken of his, claimed it to be your own, worshiping gods of wood and stone and all these things that can't see or hear. Now you're going to find out how powerful your God is. You're going to die. And they're all killed. 
that day, that night. Boom, over. And you go, oh, man, why, why is God giving Nebuchadnezzar all these chances? And why is, why does he get all this life? Again, he never went to that place. Even with the golden image, even with throwing Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, even with talking about how powerful he was and all this stuff, he never exalted himself up and against God. You go against God and try to make yourself greater than God or as great as God, and you try to talk about how little God is and how your gods are bigger and all that kind of stuff, you're asking for trouble, man. This is not a position you want to get into. Who's who's the great deceiver? What did he say? I, I will exalt myself. I will sit on the throne of the congregation. Why is he an enemy? It's always that exalting uh, uh, against God. We need to be in that state of humility and love and respect and the sovereignty of God and be able to serve him. And so we see here two individuals in similar positions that could have had the same fate, but because Nebuchadnezzar never went to that point, and as he realized God and he acknowledged God, he at least accepted him as a God above the other gods. You know, you say, well, well, did he get saved? Was he ever in that position? I don't know anything about that. All I know is he at least recognized who God was and gave respect. And there's something about that that can help protect you and give you the ability to prosper. And there's something about going against that that can take that away. And here is the same power, the same authority, the same position as his father. And overnight, it's just gone. And people come in, and he's dead. And they're all gone. And it's that quick, that easy. Whereas they should have been able to protect it just as good, just as long as Nebuchadnezzar did. But God is sovereign. So anyway, hopefully you get something out of their lives. Anybody have anything you want to share? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for blessings in our lives. And we ask, Father, that you just help us to, uh, as we continue to look at individuals in the Bible, to just learn from them and to, to humble ourselves, to uh, esteem you better than others, and to lift up others in our lives, to walk in justice and in righteousness, and to, to be who you want us to be. And I ask, Lord, as we go throughout this week. We'll find ways to serve others and to love others and to be who you called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen.